Welcome to Dealcast, the weekly M&A podcast presented to you by Merger Market and SS&C Intralinks. I'm Juliana Needham, a business journalist who's been covering M&A for a decade. In this episode, we're looking at regulatory approval of a huge deal in the gaming industry, Microsoft's takeover of Activision Blizzard, which makes Call of Duty widely seen as one of the most successful gaming franchises ever. I'm joined by Jacob Parry, Senior Regulatory Reporter for PAR and Deal Reporter. Hi, Jacob, and welcome. Hi, Juliana. Thanks for having me. So firstly, can you tell us how significant this deal is for the gaming industry and the wider technology and gaming ecosystem, an area which is fast evolving? So a bit of background. In January, Microsoft announced that it would acquire Activision Blizzard, the maker of some of the world's best-selling game franchises, Call of Duty, World of Warcraft, Candy Crush, at a $68.7 billion US dollar purchase price. This clocks in as the biggest deal of the year to date, and that really reflects the value of Activision's content to the booming video game sector. There's really multiple different uh, ecosystems at play here. We have the booming console business uh, that continues to reap rewards for for Microsoft, Sony, and Nintendo. Then we also have an emerging uh, cloud gaming business, and we're increasingly seeing multiple players, both traditional studios like Electronic Arts and Ubisoft, but then also new big tech entrants like Apple and Amazon move into this space. Finally, I'll, I'll just mention that this is a deal that where there's significant regulatory risk and that that has really been reflected in Activision share price. Its shares are currently trading at 25% below Microsoft's $95 per share offer price. That reflects a little bit the slump in the tech sector, uh, the sheer deal size, and the fact that there's a quite long uh, timeline associated with the transaction. But really what's at issue uh, in the volatility here is the uncertainty around the regulatory processes. Great. So we're going to look at some of those in detail now. As you mentioned, the deal was announced in January, and it's recently been notified to the EC after long pre-notification talks. What is it that the regulators in Europe are so concerned about in relation to this deal? The European Commission and the UK Competition and Markets Authority have owned in on Microsoft's potential to foreclose its competitors in the gaming space by potentially refusing or worsening access of other gaming platforms to Activision's catalog of video games. For those of you who are not gamers, Microsoft is the owner of Xbox, which is one of the leaders in the console business after Sony's PlayStation. And Microsoft's ability post-transaction to limit what games, and in particular Call of Duty, are accessible to PlayStation users has really emerged as the key issue, both in the public debate, but also according to our reporting uh, in the review of the transaction. But this is not just about the console business. Gaming is increasingly moving away from consoles and PCs and into the cloud, as I as I mentioned. And the CMA has really focused its concerns, in addition to vertical foreclosure, also on Microsoft's ability to, to leverage other assets like its cloud platform, Azure, or its PC operating system, Windows, to damage competition in the nascent market for cloud gaming services. And you've mentioned it there, that the system, the ecosystems are changing in the gaming industry. Would this deal have been so heavily scrutinized a few years ago? 
Ideal of the size would have been heavily reviewed at any point in time. That said, the willingness of the agencies, in particular the CMA, to look beyond traditional theories of harm like vertical foreclosure and the more novel theories such as Microsoft's ability to tip or take such a leading position in the gaming market that other new competitors can't catch up reflects a bit of a new orthodoxy within the agencies. There's a shifting consensus within the competition authorities as to what they should focus on. And increasing years, there's been, we've seen agencies own in on concerns around innovation and on the ability of companies to envelop markets. When they look at digital markets, they see extremely powerful network effects a massive amount of capital that companies like Microsoft or its other GAFA peers can invest. And when they look at their potential competitors, they see that they don't have that. And their concern, as we've seen in the words of Associate uh, Attorney General John, uh, at the Department of Justice, Jonathan Cantor, is that they could create moats that other competitors aren't able to penetrate. Finally, I'll say that when it comes to the European Commission's review, Microsoft has a long history in Brussels. And through the course of the 2000s, it was it was a heavy focus of EC enforcement. The European Commission's case against Windows really set the tone for big tech enforcement in the decades that followed. Microsoft has gone to great lengths to close that chapter and to reset its relationship with the regulator. And even in this case, it took a quite proactive stance offering concessions to Sony around PlayStation. That said, it's still subject to antitrust complaints here in Brussels, from Slack concerning alleged bundling of its team products, from OVH Cloud, the French cloud provider, concerning the terms that it offers on Azure. The EC has a long memory, and we're in a very anti-big tech political context, both here in Brussels and also in Washington. And I'd say that that definitely makes regulatory clearance a more challenging task than it might have been a few years ago. Thanks. And so a lot going on within the EC scrutinising this deal, but it's not just the EC and and the US Federal Trade Commission examining it, but we've also got the UK Competition and Markets Authority alongside other authorities. Are the EC and the UK CMA on the same page with this? And has Brexit impacted that relationship? So this is a really interesting development, and I think that the dual review of the CMA and the EC is going to be another test case of the evolving relationship between the two agencies. As a bit of context, global merger control has historically really been dominated by three agencies, European Commission in the EU and in the US, the US Federal Trade Commission and the Department of Justice. One of the more significant developments in global merger control in recent years has been the CMA's emergence as a heavy hitter on the global stage following the UK's exit from the EU two years ago. The CMA since then has had a remit over global deals that historically would have exclusively gone to Brussels. While the agencies have a cordial relationship and are very much aligned philosophically, there is no day-to-day working agreement uh, between the EU and the UK, which affects how they can cooperate uh, substantially on files. And other factors like the comparatively weaker role that UK courts play when it comes to scrutinizing merger control decisions vis-a-vis the role that the EU courts play have led the CMA to subtly diverge from, uh, from the European Commission. A good example would be the European Commission's decision to clear Cone Crane's merger with CargoTech. It was a Finnish uh, crane deal earlier this year that was blocked by the CMA and ultimately fell apart. There was a bit of bitterness after that deal and some finger pointing, just as we had two comparably similar sets of facts between the UK and the EU, yet we ended up with quite different decisions. 
Finally, the CMA's leadership has been quite critical of the European Commission's decision-making practice in digital merger cases. The former head criticized the commission quite heavily for the decisions that the commission took to clear Facebook's acquisitions of WhatsApp and Instagram. As with those cases, it can't be discounted that the CMA might take a bolder approach when it comes to this deal. So it sounds like the CMA is using the opportunity to flex its muscles a bit. I think that's a fair assertion. And as you highlighted earlier on, one of the most vocal opponents to this deal has been the PlayStation maker Sony, which isn't surprising as it's another major player in gaming. Can you explain in a bit more detail why is Sony concerned about the deal and and what has the company been doing about it? It was clear from the outset that Sony's interest would be key to the regulatory reviews that the deal would see. Again, the console gaming market really has three players, Nintendo, Sony's PlayStation, and Microsoft's Xbox. And two of those, Xbox and Sony's PlayStation, are both uh, incredibly dependent on the content that Activision provides. Sony has argued that Activision's titles, in particular Call of Duty, are essential to its success. And Microsoft has recognized the importance of Sony from the outset, as we saw with the pledge earlier this year to retain Sony's access to Call of Duty through to 2027. Microsoft has also indicated that it would be prepared to codify some version of this pledge in commitments. That promise, in the view of Sony, is both unenforceable and insufficient. Early last month, according to our reporting, Sony Interactive Entertainment CEO Jim Ryan was in Brussels to put forward his argument against the deal. Publicly, he's been saying that the pledge is inadequate and that uh, he would like to see not just Call of Duty, but other Activision titles available to PlayStation users beyond 2027. In its filings in Brazil, Sony said that Call of Duty, A, had no rivals, B, that it's essential to the PlayStation console, and finally, that the inclusion of Activision Blizzard's titles in Xbox's Game Pass, which is the cloud gaming service that's really the future of, uh, of video gaming, would mark an inflection point in the market for video games. Finally, I should add that at least according to our reporting, it's not just Sony that has concerns. Google, too, is believed to have concerns around the impact of the transaction. Both Microsoft and Google spend heavily on cloud computing. And I think that the recent announcement by Google that it would shutter its cloud streaming gaming service Stadia reflects how difficult it is to compete without must-have content like Activision's titles. And looking a bit further afield now, what about the Federal Trade Commission in the U.S.? The chair, Lena Khan, has developed a reputation as a serious opponent to the big tech companies. What are you expecting to see from her agency? From what we know now, according to our reporting, the agency is expected to come to a decision as soon as late November and that it's aiming to wrap up its review by the end of the year. The FTC staff is understood to have significant concerns and began conducting depositions with executives from the merging parties late in the summer. The million-dollar question at the moment is, will Lena Khan's FTC decide to sue against the deal? The FTC under Chair Khan has been very hawkish when it comes to merger control, most recently challenging Meta's acquisition of Within, a small virtual reality fitness tech company. Of course, we've also seen the FTC lose in recent cases. Uh, Most notably, it lost its decision to challenge Illumina's acquisition of Grail that was overruled by the FTC's own administrative law judge, even though it is now under appeal. 
whether that general atmosphere to challenge every deal that comes before it translates into a willingness to challenge this deal is something that we will just have to wait and watch for. Thanks very much, Jacob. So one final question to you, a bit of crystal ball gazing. The deal was announced in January. When's it going to complete, if indeed it does complete? On the regulatory side, I think we'll really be waiting to see the decision from the CMA next March. Of course, the European Commission's decision whether or not to put it into a phase two review will also decide whether or not there's an ongoing review here in Brussels through the spring of next year. In terms of the deal's own deadlines, Microsoft has set a termination date of uh, January 2023, which can be extended twice up to July 2023. Uh, Microsoft has said that it expects to close the deal in the fiscal year 2023. And I should note that should it be unable to acquire all the necessary regulatory approvals, Activision would be required to pay Microsoft a termination fee of 2.27 billion US dollars. Wow, something pretty hefty. This is it's not small change, Juliana. <laughs> no. Great, we'll leave it there. Jacob, thanks very much. No, thank you, Juliana, and thank you, Jenny, as well. That was Jacob Parry, senior regulatory reporter for Par and Deal Reporter. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Dealcast presented by Merger Market and SSNC Intralinks. Please rate, review and follow the podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or look out for your Merger Market news alert. For more information, have a look at our show notes. Join us next week for another episode.